Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. We have a lot to discuss here on today's program. There is a lot going on affecting agriculture all the way from Washington, D.C. to rural America. Thanks for joining the conversation with me here today. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. You're listening to Agriculture of America AOA, brought to you by our friends with Cenex. Cenex Premium Diesel, a diesel that doesn't mess around. Everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex. Find your nearest location online at Cenex.com. We're going to talk with Chuck Connor, the president and CEO for the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives here in just a moment. Also coming up in segment two here today, we are going to talk fertilizer with Josh Linville, the VP of fertilizer from Stone X. Get his updates on fertilizer prices and values here and maybe an update on the river situation as well. I know a lot of low water levels on the Mississippi River could have an impact on maybe the uh, fertilizer transportation here this fall. We're going to talk about that. In segment three, we're going to have a conversation with American Farm Bureau Federation Executive Vice President Joby Young. We're talking a lot about the impending government shutdown and more with Joby coming up here in segment three. And we'll wrap the show with a conversation with North Dakota Senator John Hoven. So a jam-packed program for us here today. I should mention as well, uh, news breaking on Friday morning, uh, Diane Feinstein, longest-serving female U.S. senator in history, has passed away at the age of 90. And our thoughts and prayers are with her family and loved ones here as uh, she has passed away. That news breaking on Friday morning. All right, well, let's turn our attention to a few things going on in D.C. as well, including an ag appropriations amendment targeting U.S. sugar policy. We're going to discuss that and much more with the president and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, Chuck Connor. Chuck, it's great to have you back on AOA with us today. I hope you're doing well. I am doing well, Jesse. Thanks for having me on on what is a very, very busy Friday in American agriculture. It is an extremely busy Friday in American agriculture, Chuck. And I want to just start with uh, the impending government shutdown. I think that's uh, the big thing that's on a lot of folks' minds, not just in agriculture, but throughout the country. Seems like we're on a speeding train uh, towards a partial government shutdown here this weekend. Is that uh, kind of how things still stand uh, from what you're hearing there in D.C., Chuck? Yeah, it certainly looks that way, Jesse. And, it, you know, it's unfortunate that we've got to go through this, but uh, it looks like probably tomorrow night we're going to have at least some kind of shutdown. You know, the House has uh, sort of failed to pass any of the individual appropriation bills that they, you know, said they needed to do, uh, you know, with the, just the Ag Approach Bill, uh, Agriculture Approach Bill failing yesterday. So, with, uh, you know, no other means here to get this done, it looks like we're probably, uh, you know, going to face some kind of a shutdown and, you know, debate over uh, an extension of government probably early next week. Um, mm -hmm. And again, it's it's unfortunate, but that, that appears to be where we're headed. Yeah, that's not something we definitely want to see at all. And, uh, you know, watch it to see if there's anything that happens at the 11th hour, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Well, you mentioned the Ag Appropriations Bill. I, I know as well there was an amendment uh, there targeting U.S. sugar policy uh, that we, we heard about this week. Can you talk about that a little bit? I know you issued a statement uh, on that appropriations amendment. Can you tell us what exactly was going on there? 
Yeah, you know, from time to time when we when we debate these uh, ag appropriation bills, we do get a, an amendment to uh, reverse, you know, what has been 40 years of U.S. sugar policy. And, um, you know, for our standpoint, we actually think that 40 years of sugar policy has been pretty good policy. You know, it, it allows uh, substantial imports from, uh, you know, foreign countries, but it really is sugar policy that doesn't allow, you know, dumped product, if you will, below cost of production product to just be sort of, you know, thrown into the United States, press our markets, hurt our own sugar farmers. And again, that's, that's worked really, really well for 40 years. And we, we just don't see any reason to change that course. In fact, you know, feel like it's, again, something that's worked pretty well, not only for U.S. producers, but, but we do import a substantial amount of sugar that other countries depend upon. So, you know, why, why, why wreck that system? And that's always been our point here. Thankfully, it looks like, you know, the House, many members of the House agreed with that, and I, I don't see a threat to, to the sugar policy now going forward, certainly not as part of the farm bill process. Okay, well, that is a good thing to hear. Uh, speaking of the farm bill process, Chuck, obviously that's wrapped up in this whole government shutdown scenario that's in front of us here and trying to get the ag appropriations uh, figured out, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, it, it sounds like uh, we can get the government funded temporarily. A lot of folks are on board with the, the one-year extension of the farm bill at this point. I just seems like a, a lot of turmoil is really kind of I don't want to say kicking the can down the road, but I don't don't know how else to say it when it comes to a farm bill. Yeah, Jesse, this is a tough call, you know, and, and we've got a lot of faith in our leaders uh, on the farm bill in the House and the Senate, but we are rapidly racing towards a point where, you know, you really have to have a serious discussion about an extension. Um, honestly, and we are in a highly, highly charged partisan environment right now with the pending shutdown and we truly don't want to throw a farm bill out in the mix of that uh, right now. Uh, a farm bill, as you know, has to be bipartisan. It just, you know, just the, the math doesn't add up any other way than the fact that you need Republican and Democratic votes to pass a farm bill. Right now, you know, you can't get either party to agree on the time of day, and it just seems like a very, you know, bad time to be throwing a a, a farm bill into the mix of, of this mm -hmm. kind of environment that we're in, and so. You know, even if there was time, it might be unwise to be talking uh, farm bill right now. And so we're still hopeful that it can get done by the end of the calendar year, but it's looking more and more difficult with each passing day. I've heard some folks say that they believe, and this is, you know, folks that maybe are working behind the scenes on some of the farm bill text that some folks have said that if they, if we could find a, a way to move forward on certain things that a lot of the work they've done behind the scenes, they're closer to being ready to go than maybe some people have, have led on. Do you Have you heard that? Do you think that's the case? If we could find some common ground here and work through some of these issues that the farm bill could come together pretty quickly, or are we still far apart? I think actually the differences are probably relatively small, Jesse. Uh, you know, I've, I've been on the committee staff writing those bills in a past life, and I, I know they have been working very, very hard, and, and there's a lot of work that's been done that maybe doesn't see the light of day yet. But again, having said that, in the partisan environment that we're in right now, it's just very, very difficult to see being able to, you know, to go to the House floor, for example, and, and, and 
produce something bipartisan in today's mm-hmm. environment. It just, it's just, you know, tough uh, because they are not talking anything bipartisan at this point. So, you know, this is, we're close to October 1st here. You know, we've got all this budget stuff going on. You've got Thanksgiving, you've got the holidays. It's just, we are running out of time quickly to, you know, to do a bill, even a bill where a lot of the work groundwork has been done up to this point. So, Again, we're hopeful, but we are uh, very much keeping an eye on uh, what we need to do to keep farm policy stable for producers, not only now, but into next year. Well, with that, Chuck Connor, President and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives, thanks for joining me on a busy day in agriculture. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jesse. Coming up next, Josh Linville with Stonex here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. After more, after this. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of the Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for the Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. Did you know that pork is the world's most consumed meat? Pork comprises over one-third of all meat consumed. Pigs were domesticated over 9,000 years ago in 7,000 BC, and there are more than 180 species of pigs. Why pork? Well, it's not just because everybody loves bacon. Historically speaking, pork is a very easy meat to preserve via smoking, curing, or salting. Not only could it keep well before refrigeration, but it also tastes great under various preservation tactics and adaptable to a variety of flavors, spices, and dishes across different cultures and regions. There are twice as many pigs as there are people in Denmark. Did you also know that China is the world's lead pork producer? In 2020, they produced an impressive 41.13 million metric tons of the meat, which equates to almost 91 billion pounds. So the next time you dive into that plate of bacon, know that pork is the world's most consumed meat. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve together, We can make a difference, bite by bite.
keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And thank you for joining us here today on AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel, fueled by innovation, powered to perform. Right now, we want to talk about what's going on in the fertilizer market. There's a lot moving here, especially it looks like the price of anhydrous is on the rise substantially. We're going to talk about that more. Joining us now on AOA, Josh Linville, Vice President of Fertilizer with Stone X. Josh, always good to have a conversation with you, my friend. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Just uh, ready to wrap this week up and get into kid activities this weekend. So much for free time. <laughs> you know what, though? Those are the best times, though, right, Josh? There's nothing wrong with that. That's what everybody keeps telling me. I'll, 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 I'll wait to reserve judgment on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I won't I won't prod you anymore on that. I, I will prod you, though, on the fertilizer uh, markets here. I, and really... Um, am I seeing this right? Anhydrous retail price is up 21% from last month. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, that is correct. And uh, even more shocking is now I'm looking at the Midwest average, right? There's a lot of different points that are being averaged together and a little bit of comparing apples to oranges because I'm talking about the complete reset being summer fill versus current fall. But if you look at those numbers, we've more than doubled where we were this summer. Wow. So what is that? What is driving this? Is there is there something that I'm not seeing that is driving this this trend right now? It's it's two things. One to a lesser extent is the international market. I know that's going to sound weird. I'm a big advocate for we got to watch the globe for signs of what's going on here. But on anhydrous, there's a little bit more of a disconnect. But internationally, we're seeing prices starting to skyrocket again. Uh, uh, production issues in Trinidad, Europe is still has a little bit of production offline. Saudi Arabia had a little bit of uh, production issues. Russia, the world's typical largest exporter, still not in the marketplace. So things got very tight very quickly, but more so it's just demand. Uh, when you look at it, the prices, the manufacturers, I hate to say it, but they did a fantastic job of their programs rolling it out this year. Uh, they were aggressive. They got the numbers right from what our point of view was. And I think what we're seeing is the supply side of the marketplace was getting overloaded. There was a lot of talk. This this could have been one of the biggest fall runs we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Now with prices up, there's a little bit of question with that. But uh, I think the market is effectively just sitting there saying, we think there's too much demand for supply. We need to move this number up to help balance that out this fall. Well, I know not all fertilizers are up substantially like that. I, I think we've seen a few weekly drops uh, on certain fertilizers, potash, I think, uh, for instance, uh, et cetera. So, I mean, talk about some of the other fertilizers. Are we are we seeing some of those prices hold steady or slightly lower here, Josh? Yeah, the potash is actually the one that's done the best out of all of them, mainly, again, from our point of view. it's It dropped pretty well. It got into line with where grain prices were, with where more historical type values were, and it's been holding relatively steady. Uh, the phosphate market is having some issues. It's up a little bit from the summer fills, but a lot of questions, a lot of concerns about uh, inventories. We've still got this countervailing duty case against three of the largest global exporting countries of the world. So a little bit of fear that we might have some issues there. Uh, nitrogen, you know, Jesse, the nitrogen's just been all over the place. Right now, the current trend is higher. We've got some longer term fears when it comes to the nitrogen complex as a whole, but right now, support's still in place. Well, I wonder, Josh, uh, the Mississippi River, I know that we have low water levels, especially mm -hmm. around Memphis and more. And so thinking about that, is that something do you foresee could impact this fertilizer market along with some of those 
global issues that you mentioned just a minute ago? I think it's something we have to plan on. It will have an effect. And this isn't something where I'm thinking the price of fertilizers double or anything like that. I mean, when you look at it, it's a little bit of a hiccup. It's a pretty good size hiccup, right? But when you sit back and you think about it, we've dealt with this 12 months ago. This is the exact same story we were talking about a year ago. The boat captains, crews, the dredging operations, the Army Corps of Engineers, they really went out of their way to make sure those channels stay open. And yes, the tow sizes were smaller. The barge weights were smaller. So inefficiency means having to pay more freight to make sure everybody stays whole. But at the end of the day, I, I struggle to see where they're going to allow that to actually shut down. So it's going to be a little bit of an inefficiency, maybe a little bit higher pricing just based on that logistics. we got faith in the system. Yeah, we got faith in the system. That is true. We're talking with Josh Linville, Vice President of Fertilizer at Stone X. Josh, I, I wonder too, we got a lot of dry soils across much of the Corn Belt here, and I know harvest is moving along quickly. I wonder if that could have any impacts for fall application here as we uh, move into the winter months. I don't know what you're hearing from uh, your retailers and farmers around the uh, Corn Belt there, but I think that's something else to keep an eye on as well. It is. And, and I'll tell you what, the stories from the ground are being uh, being backed by drought monitor maps and things like that. There, you're right. There are some very dry areas. And that's a big concern we have when it comes to anhydrous. That's one of our kind of bearish worry points out there. You know, any farmer out there listening, they know uh, you got to have a little moisture in that soil if you're going to put the anhydrous in the ground. So we've got time, right? It's We're not quite to October 1. We've got 30 days being generous, we got 30 days before we can start getting to the fields, put anhydrous on. You know, we catch a couple rains. That soil recovers fairly quickly, but it is something we've got our eye on today. So, Josh, uh, thinking about things here, watching, you know, anhydrous going up 20% month over month and just uh, some of the things you alluded to, what would you tell folks? I mean, what do we got to keep in mind here over the, uh, we'll say, the next couple of months ahead? It's the logistics is the thing that probably spooks us the most. And we have to have these conversations with the retail sector. And from a historical standpoint, a lot of the farm gate waits until that last minute to show up in the office and say, okay, you know what? I'm ready. Let's go ahead and put on the phosphate. Let's put on the potash. Let's put on the anhydrous. And that for the large part has worked and that's great, but we're still dealing with very volatile markets today. There's a lot of price risk out there. And with the logistics out there, nobody is willing to really step up and say, hey, I'll, I'll buy a bunch, I'll fill the sheds, I'll be ready to roll. These conversations need to be had sooner than historically would be normal so that they have an idea of what you're looking for because they don't know, are you going to go ahead with a normal fall application? Are you going to wait till winter? Are you going to wait till spring? Are you going to reduce your rates? And we're no longer talking about markets that move $5, $10 a ton over the course of a month or two. You know, we saw urea globally jump up a hundred bucks a ton over Labor Day weekend. So just like I said, it's, we continue to press. We need to have these conversations sooner. So that the supply chain knows what you're rolling for, because we wait until November one, who knows? Well, and I wonder too, uh, you know, you mentioned having those conversations and, and thinking logistics and everything else, Josh. And I mean, even if you already have or had a plan in place here for this fall, maybe it's not a bad idea to, uh, to hop on the phone and, and, and give a call to your retailer just to make sure you're on the same page here this time frame. Absolutely. Plans change all the time. Hiccups happen logistically all the time. It's, you know, one of my uh, dumb things I always tell people when we talk about moving fertilizer into place for the fall or the spring season is a lot of the farmers see it kind of like a duck on water. 
and that duck moves seamlessly from one end to the other, barely disrupts the water. What they don't see is from underneath the water, and that duck is kicking like all get out to get to that other side. And that's that logistical side trying to get things in place. Mm-hmm. It was hard enough when things were normal. Guys, we're not living in normal times right now. That's a good, good point, Josh. Uh, as well, uh, if folks are locking in any sort of uh, marketing plan for, say, next year's crop, too, and they're locking in some of those input prices, I mean, any thoughts for folks who are looking out to uh, the 24 crop already on things? Yeah, it's, you know, continue to hear some reports coming in that, hey, these yields are a little bit better than what we thought. I, personally speaking, I'm not a great ga- grain guy. I listen to smart people and I try and repeat what they say. Yeah. But hearing a lot of people coming back and say, that's eh, a little bit better than what I thought. Hey, this is this field isn't quite as bad as I thought. If that's the case and we start getting into uh, harvest a little bit more hot and heavy, get a little more firm data, and that is the case on a widespread scale. You know, we're seeing some of these take, I keep watching December 24 corn. Uh, it's starting with a five. That may not be the case very much longer. So I'm still leaning into, hey, as we're buying these fertilizers, we want to be looking at selling some of the grain against it, lock in that value. It just seems like it makes sense to to manage your risk. And that's really what it all comes down to, right, Josh? Whether we're talking the fertilizer markets or we're talking the commodity markets or whatever case it is, it all just comes back to risk management, right? Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, when I started out in the industry, the grain originators always used to complain that, you know, people won't sell ahead. They won't do this. They won't do that. Well, it's because if we just sell the grain, we don't know what the inputs are going to do. Is chemicals going to stay? Is diesel, is fertilizer going to stay? You know, is it going to go up or down? Everything in our industry is about trying to take risk out of the equation. If we can find a way to lock in margin, which is why we keep talking, you know, buy some fertilizer, sell some grain. That's why we continue to preach that to the industry. Josh, final thoughts here before we run out of time. Anything else you would share or reiterate to folks today? No, it's just have those conversations, guys, and don't let that calendar fool you. I mean, I tell you what, we're talking 90s here this weekend in Kansas City. Um, a lot of people are really regretting that they uh, the neighborhood shut down their pools and stuff like that. But it's going to be November in 30 days. We are going to be hot and heavy. We're going to be rolling hard. Uh, make preparations now. These next 30 days will fly by. And before you know it, we're we're loosening our belt, getting ready for Thanksgiving. Always great to have a conversation with you. Now you got me thinking about a turkey dinner. Josh Linville, Vice President of Fertilizer at Stonex. Josh, thanks so much for the time, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. See you, my man. And coming up next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. We'll talk with Joby Young from the American Farm Bureau Federation. That's next on AOA. Every Tuesday, we're sitting around the table sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for Around the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. 
You're listening Day Away for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Ahead of today's big USDA reports, grains are mixed but mostly lower. Livestock is also lower. Hogs leading the descent there. Feeders not too far behind. The wheats were modestly higher in overnight trading as the war between Russia and Ukraine continues to escalate. Russia launched a drone attack on export infrastructure in the Odessa region, which has ports on the Danube River and Black Sea. Now, damage has been reported by several news outlets along the Danube River. Ukraine said it destroyed most of the more than three dozen drones sent by Russia. Ukraine does continue to attack Russian naval vessels in the Black Sea and this week claimed to have killed a fleet commander in a missile strike on the fleet's Crimean headquarters. Doubts have been raised, though, about that claim. Video taken after the strike reportedly shows the commander alive. Grain exports from Ukraine from September 1st through September 24th dropped by more than half compared with the same time frame last year. Now, wheat prices have retreated early this morning. Soybeans, though, are still showing firm on the morning. Export sales of beans and grains were higher week to week. Soybean sales in the seven days that ended on the 21st were reported at 672,200 metric tons. That's up from 434,100 tons the previous week. China was the big buyer at 581,200 metric tons, followed by Mexico and then Japan. Exports total 543,300 tons, which was little change week to week. Now, corn sales came in at 841,800 metric tons. That's a jump from the previous week's 566,900 tons. Wheat sales also surged week to week, 77%. While exports were reported at 584,600 metric tons, that's the highest since the start of the marketing year on June 1st, up 98% from the previous week. And Wall Street is closing out the month and the fiscal quarter today, even as the federal government closes out the fiscal year, possibly lacking funding to start the new fiscal year. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA here today. Brought to you by Cenex. Harvest season is in full swing and you want to make sure you have fuel ready to go on your operation to make sure that uh, you don't have any downtime in the field. Well, your local Cenex is just around the corner with their premium diesels like Cenex Roadmaster XL and more. Everyday products powered locally by Cenex. You can find your nearest Cenex location as well online very easily. Just go to Cenex.com. That is Cenex.com. Jesse Allen back with you here on AOA. And joining us now on the program, 
Executive Vice President for the American Farm Bureau Federation, Joby Young. Joby, it's great to have a conversation with you today. I hope you're doing well. Hey, doing well, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Well, Joby, uh, a lot going on in agriculture here as we round out the month of September. And I know uh, one of the big uh, talking points for folks, and we've been talking about it all week long here on the show, is uh, this looming government shutdown. We got the farm bill deadline technically uh, Saturday, the 30th. I mean, there's just a lot going on on Capitol Hill right now that's impacting agriculture, isn't there, Joby? Yeah, there sure is. September 30th is the end of the of the federal government's fiscal year. And of course, that's the, the end of, as you mentioned, the end of uh, uh, current government funding. And so the Congress is is up on Capitol Hill the last few few days here negotiating those, uh, you know, the government funding situation and, and having a lot of twists and turns to, to that uh, debate and that negotiation. And then at the same time, in the ag world and, and, and really for uh, the whole food world and consumers, we're looking at the farm bill and how that expires on september uh, 30th as well and and i think everybody's hopeful in that world that we can resolve the we'll see the congress resolve the government funding debate uh and then move on to a farm bill well thinking about uh, all of this in front of us obviously uh, this government shutdown looming and it seems like unless something happens at the 11th hour here we're going to go into a partial shutdown and hopefully we won't last very long because we got to try and figure some of these things out like a farm bill if a shutdown should occur, Joby, I mean, would consumers, would would the American people, what kind of changes would we notice? I mean, would they be major things we would really notice? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. There, as as, uh, as as folks observe, the gov- the federal government, uh, you know, there's a lot of agencies and departments that are uh, pretty woven into the everyday uh, Americans' lives. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's things from, re- you know, regulating uh, commerce and being involved in, you know, uh, markets and financial, uh, you know, uh, transactions to, to um, you know, in, in encountering different law enforcement and things like that. So there's a lot of things that the federal government does. Some of those things uh, would continue through a, through, a, uh, through a government shutdown because they're regarded as essential for protection of human life, protection of property, those sorts of exceptions. And then other things that they don't fall into those categories uh, do uh, do uh, cease in a government shutdown or are made to be suspended. So, you know, in the agriculture world, you know, what most people think about if you're, you know, out there uh, ranching or you're farming are, are US, excuse me, USDA programs, USDA agencies. So, uh, you know, you think about the Farm Service Agency, you think about things like USDA rural development, uh, the different agencies that provide market reports and, and data that facilitate uh, uh, agricultural markets and, 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 and price discovery and all these sorts of things. So there's a lot that happens across the federal government, but also, you know, it's specifically at those agencies that, that, that interact with, uh, with the agricultural world as well. Well, and then obviously, too, with a farm bill expiration, I, I know there's going to be some concerns there for farmers if we don't get this government funded and then we, you know, let the farm bill lapse. I know there's been a lot of talk about a one-year extension, but we got to get through the the shutdown first and make sure that we have the government open before we could do a farm bill extension. So, I mean, a, a farm bill expiration, I know that would have implications in itself, wouldn't it, Joby? Yeah, sure. Both of these things have implications. As, as you mentioned, a government funding sort of more immediate. 
You know, if, you do, if the government's not funded, that's where you might see federal employees be uh, furloughed and not available to do, you know, everyday transactions, maybe in a, in a farm service agency office, uh, you know, in a community. And then, uh, then, then, a, then when you move to a, a farm bill expiration that expires on September 30th, a lot of really critical impacts to that, but maybe a bit more flexible, a bit more slow moving. That's why I think you've seen farm bills in the past maybe sneak past that deadline. Uh, but still, just just as important, you know, uh, uh, they'll they'll be rolling uh, expirations in different programs, things things, you know, a couple conservation programs that are interrupted on September 30th, other uh, programs, uh, agricultural programs, farm programs that uh, that are impacted not till the end of the year, December 31st, and then and then depending on the commodity or the crop, some of those uh, impacts might come you know, uh, as, as you work through the crop year for those, for those. But all this is important. They're all things that, uh, that, that, that mean that a farm bill needs to be passed. I mean, we're certainly having that conversation. Everybody across the ag world is trying to make sure that, that uh, while, while Congress is focused on things like, uh, like government funding, that we really remain focused on the farm bill because uh, there are real impacts out here, uh, you know, not only in, in, in the, in, um, uh, in, in rural communities and in the world of agriculture, but for consumers down the line, I mean, everybody that that uh, every night you sit down and eat dinner, you're impacted by the farm bill, and, and we want to see those uh, that 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 bill that bill passed. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. We're talking with the executive vice president for the American Farm Bureau Federation, Joby Young, here on AOA. Joby, I think uh, you know, we're talking a lot of uh, bad news, a lot of doom and gloom kind of stuff here, but I think. Uh, many in the ag world did get some good news here earlier this week. I think uh, over 130 different ag and forestry groups. I know American Farm Bureau Federation was one of those that was uh, in opposition to uh, Representative Victoria Sparks's anti-checkoff amendment legislation. And I know that was struck down in the House. And uh, I have to think many ag groups were happy to see that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think there was there was uh, wide opposition to that to to that amendment, and it was uh, soundly defeated in the Congress. Many members of Congress, the vast majority of members of Congress, agreed that that those uh, commodity research and promotion boards uh, are, are important and in a, a very essential part of the industry in terms of uh, of uh, providing a lot of benefit to producers. And uh, so we were we were pleased to see that uh, that amendment. Uh, be defeated and 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 variety of industries that that uh, uh, that are involved in those and uh, in, in those pr- uh, promotion boards able to continue to to do the work mm-hmm. that they do you know in terms of uh, consumer awareness and creating markets and, and and funding research and all the other things. Well, Joby, uh, we got a couple minutes here uh, before we let you go. Anything else on on the mind of the American Farm Bureau Federation right now? Anything else that you would? Uh, care to share with us comment on that, that you're kind of keeping an eye on i know the the government shut down farm bill stuff's really kind of taken up a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, time uh, with folks in conversations right now but anything else you're you're keeping an eye on right now as we round out the month of september well there's always a lot going on in agriculture and in, in terms of agricultural policy and in, in, in dc uh, you're right that right now the, the government funding and, and farm bill are sort of front of mind for most folks because just how critically important uh, those things are. Uh, and, you know, the thing I'd underline for folks out there in farm country is that, uh, you, you know, because it's called a farm bill, some folks might think that it's, uh, that it's, that it's really only important to, uh, 
to you know farmers and, and farm and ranch families but it's really the farm bill is really something that's important to every american and and uh, uh you know that's because it affects that whole food supply chain a lot of times we call it the food and farm bill because because of that effect and and uh you know i think it takes all of us that are involved in agriculture to you know help others understand that so we'll, we'll continue to do that we'll, we'll continue to 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 um you know really stress with with lawmakers that uh, that, that the farm bill needs to be passed this year. It's critically important and, and something that, uh, that we, that, that's going to be, uh, critical to making sure that, uh, that we're able to continue in this country the great, uh, history we have of being, uh, you know, having a, a secure food supply chain. When, when Americans go to the grocery store, they know that food's going to be there. Then they're going to have, they're going to have, uh, uh, the, the, the most affordability in the world in terms of, uh, the dollars that come out of their pocket and the percentage of their income. And they're going to have a lot of choice. And healthy options there so we're going to want to continue that and keep and, and keep the pressure on fantastic well i appreciate the time and the thoughts uh busy uh busy end of the month in agriculture thank you for joining us today american farm beer federation executive vice president joby young joby uh take care thank you for joining us again and we will talk to you uh, real soon all right thank you jesse Again, Joby Young there with the American Farm Bureau Federation and uh, a lot going on watching things on Capitol Hill. It's going to be a very interesting uh, few days ahead here and hopefully we can uh, avoid a lengthy government shutdown, but it just seems like we're kind of uh, careening towards one pretty quickly. I wanted to mention real quick here before we uh, hit the break, the uh, quarterly hogs and pigs report out on Thursday afternoon and it was a uh, a bit of a surprising report, a bit bearish, uh, to be quite honest. All hogs and pigs were 100.3% and above a year ago and above the average estimate. Hogs kept for breeding were in line with the trade estimate, providing no surprise. Uh, but the big surprise was June through August pigs per litter, 4.3% above a year ago, reaching a record 11.61 pigs. That number was even above the top end of trade estimates. Weights were also higher than estimates in all categories. And uh, so... A bit of a bearish report uh, with that uh, hogs and pigs number from USDA and uh, having a bit of an impact on the hog market to round out the month of September. So uh, something interesting there. And USDA also uh, is going to have their quarterly grain stocks numbers out on Friday morning. And uh, that'll be something interesting to watch in this trade as well. And I know we're going to talk more about that coming up here on uh, future episodes of AOA is that could have some market moving and market shifting implications. All right, well, coming up next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. We're going to have a conversation with Senator John Hoban from North Dakota. That is on the way next as we're back with more AOA, Agriculture of America, right after the break. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. 
If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... (laughs) Hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. Today, we're talking with Anna Adams, a senior commodities trader with CHS, about micronutrient application strategies for this fall and the supply situation. Anna, what role do micronutrients play in crop fertility programs? Micronutrients are absolutely essential. And the name micronutrients is actually a little bit misleading because of the word micro. So people automatically assume that they are not important. But in reality, micronutrients are little tiny keys which unlock soil fertility. What is the best way to determine micronutrient needs and which are most likely to be deficient? The best way is to have a consultation with certified agronomist in your area who will more than likely recommend to do soil testing or deep soil testing or tissue sampling to determine which micronutrients are deficient. Our most common deficiencies are with boron, zinc, manganese, and magnesium. Anna, what could farmers expect concerning micronutrient supplies and pricing? Supply this fall is significantly better than in the fall of 2021 and 2022. However, you do need to plan in advance to be sure that retailers and your fertilizer dealers do have proper micronutrients in place. And unfortunately, as with most of crop nutrients right now, prices are going up. We've been talking with Anna Adams from CHS here on Around the Table about micronutrient strategies and the supply situation heading into this fall. Anna, thanks so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. And thank you for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. 
there's something more important than victory. At the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe, safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforsafesport.org. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, Agriculture of America, brought to you by Senex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. Joining us now, Senator John Hoven from North Dakota is with us. And Senator Hoven, it's great to talk with you again. I hope you're doing well. Jesse, uh, good to be with you, and greetings to all your uh Farm listeners and uh, appreciate those farmers and ranchers and all they're doing out there as we get into the harvest season. Definitely. Well, I know harvest is uh, in full swing for many, many folks, and uh, we do uh, think about them as they're busy out in the fields. And I know a lot going on. It's busy in uh, farm country. It's busy in D.C. right now. A couple things I wanted to talk to you about today. Uh, first up, uh, just an update on on the government shutdown prospects. I think that's uh, the place we need to start I know there's a lot of division in the House. Uh, you and your Senate colleagues are trying to work with the House here to keep the government funded and open past Saturday. What's the latest? What are you hearing there on Capitol Hill? Well, right now on the Senate side, we're working on a, about a six-week continuing resolution, and we're seeing if we can come to agreement on that uh, to send over to the House. Um, and on the House side, uh, they're working on some appropriations bills and also uh, I think trying to move towards a continuing resolution as well. So the key is that both the House and the Senate can come up with something on a on a CR that would uh, probably go around six weeks or so, so that we can uh, continue to operate and and work on uh, you know obviously not only appropriations bills but like uh, you and I are probably going to talk about here in a minute important things like the farm bill. Exactly. Well, and that farm bill too. You know, with all the uh, appropriations and the government shutdown talk, uh, obviously the farm bill's wrapped up in all of this too, and it's uh, it's sounding more and more like a one-year extension, and then getting to maybe something by the end of the year. I, I've heard a lot of talk that uh, essentially the work is pretty much done. It's just a matter of you know saying go, so to speak, to try and get everything put together between the House and the Senate when it comes to the Farm Bill. Would that be your assessment of where things stand with the Farm Bill right now? No, I think they'd be a little optimistic. Okay. Uh, I would say right now we're looking at a, an extension, and then I would want an extension long enough, like say a one-year extension, so that you know our farmers and ranchers aren't guessing. And really it comes down to whether they're uh, you know in the baseline – the, the funding is used the way that myself and I and I think other uh, folks on our side of the aisle believes it needs to be used, and that is uh, to support our farmers and our ranchers. And, uh, you know, those priorities start with crop insurance. We need to make sure that it's more affordable for our farmers to buy a higher level of crop insurance. They need to be able to insure up to about 80 85%, uh, like farmers in Iowa and some other places are able to do. Uh, on a more affordable basis, um, we need to update the reference prices, you know, for our uh, the countercyclical safety nets so that our can PLC work. Uh, and then um, I, I think those are the really the big priorities right up front. 
Then in some other areas, we're making good progress. For example, uh, Amy Klobuchar and I have uh, bipartisan legislation uh, that that I think will uh, update you know, some of the credit programs that our farmers and ranchers need. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Senator Tester and I have some very good provisions on uh, some of the disaster assistance programs for our ranchers, uh, like uh, livestock indemnity program, livestock forage program, emergency livestock assistance program. And so in those areas, I think, yeah, we're in pretty good shape. And I think what you see in in our bills is going to be incorporated in the farm bill. But but right up front, you know, we've got to adequately address crop insurance and the safety net. Well, and you mentioned that uh, credit uh, piece of legislation, the PACE Act, uh, that you and uh, Senator Klobuchar introduced. Can you uh, talk just a little bit more about that, some of the, uh, some of the details uh, behind the Producer and Agricultural Credit Enhancement Act? Absolutely. It's the same thing that Senator Klobuchar and I did um, in the last farm bill. We actually had put together legislation, and then that was incorporated into the farm bill, uh, in, into the farm bill we have right now, and really sets the uh, the credit programs. And so we're doing the same thing again. And so for the direct operating loan and uh, the direct uh, ownership loan, we would be increasing those loans for uh, loan amounts. Uh, so, for example, on a direct operating, instead of four hundred thousand, you could get up to seven hundred fifty thousand. Um, under the guaranteed operating, going from about two million up to about two point six million, for the uh, direct ownership, uh, increasing from around six hundred thousand to about eight hundred fifty thousand, and under the guaranteed ownership, going from about two million to about three million. And and you know, Jesse, I mean, to, to our farmers uh, and ranchers need access to that mm-hmm. credit um, because it just costs so much more to farm now. Look at the look at the cost of everything: their equipment, land. The inputs, uh, it's just gone up, and so they've got to have access to credit. And uh, so that's a really important part of the of the farm bill. Very true. I know as well, I noticed uh, this week USDA is uh, issuing a lot of uh, payments uh, through some of those critical emergency relief programs. I know you've had a hand in a lot of these, uh, the livestock relief program and also ERP phase two, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's good to see uh, a lot of those payments getting uh, distributed here for 21, 22. Yeah. And this is this is kind of the final installment, if you will, of those programs. So, you know, we, we put those programs together uh, for our producers. And um, the, the ERP is actually just the name that the the uh, Vilsack gave the, the second round. Mm-hmm. But it, it, th- those go to the WIP Plus programs that we put together um, to provide that disaster assistance. But USDA put that out in installments as those losses were determined. And, the, and you're right, uh, the, this was the final round for 21 and 22, which is obviously very important for for both farmers and, and ranchers that had uh, that were subject to the disasters and so forth. Fantastic. With that, North Dakota Senator John Hoven, thank you for joining us here on AOA today. We always appreciate the time. Thanks, Jesse. Good to be with you. And once again, North Dakota Senator John Hoven joining us here today on AOA as we are about out of time here on the program today. Brought to you by our friends with Cenex and Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Fueled by innovation, powered to perform, that's Cenex. Coming up on our next episode of AOA, we'll talk markets with Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart. 
We'll also look at weather with John Baranek from DTN, and we'll talk with Daryl Cates, the president of the American Soybean Association. We are out of time, though, here today on AOA. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a fantastic rest of your day. When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Spot less. Introducing the cleanup for tar spot, gray leaf spot, southern rust, and more. Novel next generation at Astrio fungicide broadens your spectrum and strengthens your residual when it comes to foliar disease control in corn. Visit your FMC retailer or at astrio.ag.fmc.com to clean up this season. Follow 2WE for tar spot management in corn. Valid until 131.28. Always read and follow all label directions. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org.